theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. You know what? We're going to read a lot of scripture today. Praise God. We're going to read a lot of scripture. So here's what I want to do. We make a declaration each week uh, about the importance of the Word of God. Would you do me a favor? Just get your Bible or your Bible app out. Open it up to 2 Samuel. And as you're doing so, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'm going to give you a heads up and I'm going to give you some comfort right now. Uh, We're going to read all 23 verses. Some of y'all done already passed out. Zippor, I saw that face. Praise God. (laughs) But don't worry. I'm going to let you sit. I'm going to let you sit. Praise God. But I want to make this declaration before I let you sit. Um, I said this before, but I believe it. We're a Bible-believing church at Extraordinary Church. We are a Bible-believing church. We are, I'm going to say it till you get excited about it. We are a Bible-believing church. We are a Bible-believing church. If it is in the book, let's go. If it's not in the book, y'all want to talk about it. You can talk about it. But I ain't interested in it. Praise God. I ain't interested in it. This right here, repeat after me. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I can do what it says I can do. Come on, do you believe that? Praise God. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. I'm going to put a little extra on it. Everything in this book is mine. If you believe that, give God praise. Amen. You may be seated just because I don't want to uh, make you stand. Musicians, you know what? Mm, Help me, Lord. Praise God. We're going to keep them. We're going to keep them. I'm sorry. Lincoln, do me a favor. Do me a favor. Just bring a chair up here for Alex. I know it's yellow, but praise God. It's all good. Yeah, just bring him that one. That's fine. Thank you, Jesus. It's all good. I just, we didn't talk about this planet, but y'all just smile a lot because y'all are on camera. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, people can see you. If if you let that face rest too much, they might be like, man, is he, are they upset with what he's saying? Because y'all looking like, Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so smile. You're on candid camera. Y'all don't even know what that is. I was talking to somebody there. Alex, thank you. It's just happening. What is happening, Jesus? I know it's better than the alternative. I was talking to somebody and I said, hey, you know, Zorro. And they were like, who is that? I'm like, you don't know who Zorro is, fam? What are we doing? All right. All right. Let's go. Second uh, uh, Samuel chapter 6, verse 1. Let's look at it. Then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. You know what's amazing about this? This is another sermon for another time. But if you know David's humble beginnings, he had a few hundred men that were broke, disgruntled, disquieted, and had nothing going on. Now this army has grown to 30,000 elite. Praise God. You can grow people. Can somebody say amen? He led them to 
Bala of Judah to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. Please catch that, enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ohio, not Ohio. Some of y'all like Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, this is for you. Anyway, y'all don't watch basketball either, praise God. Maybe Deborah Lee does. Anyway, Abinadab's sons were guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. Ohio walked in front of the ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nikon, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead. Because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. David was angry. Oof. David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. He named that place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah or Uzzah. As it is still called today, David was now afraid of the Lord and he asked, How can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obadiah. Obadiah of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obadiah's house for three months, and the Lord blessed Obadiah and his entire household. Then King David was told, the Lord blessed Obadiah's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. And David was like, What? Okay, okay, okay. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obadiah to the city of David with great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Now, I want you to imagine just for a moment, David tried to bring the presence of God back then. At least the, this is what represented, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. And a disaster happened. Uzzah or Uzzah, however you want to pronounce it, didn't follow protocol. He reached out and he touched the Ark of the Covenant and he dropped dead. And David's like, hold up, wait a minute. He comes back 90 days after and he carries it the right way. And just after six steps of seeing it move in the right direction, he stops and decides, I've got to have a party. I'm going to have a party. He stops and says, you know what? I'm so excited to see the presence of God headed in the right direction. David doesn't even wait till he gets to his final destination, fam. He's so happy to see God's presence moving in the direction he's moving. David has to stop and give him praise. Verse 14, David danced before the Lord with all of his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, my cow, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window when she saw the king leaping and dancing before the Lord. She was filled with contempt 
for him. This is his wife. His wife filled with contempt for him. Check this out. Look at the next verse. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place uh, inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David does something. David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, some cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Praise God. I love dates, and I love fresh-baked bread. Don't anybody make me any. Praise God. I don't need to eat it. Then all the people returned to their homes. When David returned home to bless his own family, look at why David is going home. David is going home to bless his own family. Not knowing, Michael is like, this guy, this clown. So Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted, I was, I was dancing before the Lord. And this is how you know they were arguing. Because David went there. I was dancing before the Lord, who chose me above your father. And all his family. David's like, okay, okay. He appointed me as the leader of Israel. It's just, this, it's, it's heated right here. The people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I'm even willing to look even more foolish than this. Even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But check this out. But those servant girls you mentioned, oh, they will think I am distinguished. That's how you know they were arguing. And David is being brutal. Now, that's not, men, that's not how you should handle an argument. Praise God. We just, you need some marital counseling. Praise, thank you, Jesus. If you handle it that way, you'll be in my office and we'll be meeting every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Don't, don't handle it like that. Praise God. Don't you handle the argument like that. So, Michal, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life. Now I want to make sure you have context because some people will tell you she was punished by God. This was not God making her womb barren. Because the scripture tells us when he's done, he did that with Hannah. Remember we talked about it a little while ago. David was never intimate with Michal again from that day on. I want to talk to you today about making room making room. Would you help me pray? Father, musicians, you could play a little something. Father, we love you. We bless you. We're thankful for your presence in this place. We honor you, God. We give you glory. I pray that right now, 
I'm thankful you're a God that inhabits the praises of Israel. I pray that in this very space, we would make room, make room for you to do whatever you want to do. Make room, Lord. We make room in our hearts. We make room with our praise. We make room, oh Lord God, in our lives for you to have your way. We bless you. Do whatever you want to do. We'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord? If you're going to help me preach this afternoon, would you clap your hands unto the Lord? Come on, praise God. Praise God. Let me just say this. We've got some exciting things happening right after our worship experience. We have somebody getting baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. We celebrate what God is doing. We want you to stick around and celebrate with us. Also, if you're ready to take that next step in faith, perhaps you're at a place where you're like, man, you know what? I've been thinking about it. I've been praying about it. God's been dealing with me. I see it in Scripture. I'm ready to have my sins washed away and be in covenant with Jesus Christ. Then I want you to know if you're ready, we're ready. And we have baptismal hosts who are walking around with lanyards. They're not walking around right now, but they'll have lanyards on. You can see any of them. They'll be glad to help you. Also, at the conclusion of this, we're going to have an opportunity where the altar call, the altar call is an opportunity for us to respond to the Word of God and take steps to get to know Jesus Christ better. And this is an opportunity for you to come and pray and to receive prayer, and we'll have a team of people that will be ready to pray with you. So I invite you, no matter if you're a member or a guest, you're welcome to come to the altar to receive prayer. To understand the context of what's going on in 2 Samuel, you really have to go back. This is why I really love teaching and preaching the entirety of the Word of God. I do believe if we're not careful, we can get caught up in fragmentary teaching and preaching and come to erroneous conclusions, just like I mentioned about Michal and people saying, oh, God cursed her with a curse, and that's why she didn't have children. There's nowhere in Scripture to support that. Uh, but we have to make sure that we are reading the entirety of the Word of God to get the uh, whole conclusion of a matter. Can somebody say amen? And so if we're going to understand uh, what's happening here in 2 Samuel chapter 6 that I read to you, you just don't go back to 1 Samuel, though that would be helpful. You really have to go back to when God is calling his people out of Egypt. How many of you are familiar with that story? You're familiar with the Israelites being in bondage? I hope there's a few more people that are familiar with that story. If you're part of Extraordinary Church, okay, praise God. Thank you. Some of y'all were like, I only saw like five hands. I was like, yeah, we're going to go back like right now. I was like, open up your Bible to Genesis 1, and we're going to church, praise God. So uh, they were in bondage for almost 500 years, right, right 400 years or so. The people of God were in bondage. They, they, they grew, they multiplied, and God's blessings on them, but they were being oppressed by the Egyptians. And God raises up a Moses and does something remarkable through Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, three siblings. And he delivers the nation of Israel out of Egypt with the demonstration of his power and his might through ten plagues in particular. By the way, I don't have the grit of Pharaoh. It would have taken one plague. And it might have to be a, it could have just been a little portion of the plague. If I would have saw 10 frogs, I'm out. Lice? Li what do we do? Love, like, oh, take them. Go. Go. We don't have to get to it. Look, we don't even know what it flies. If there is a fly in my house, one fly, I 
I'm on a mission to obliterate that fly. Lincoln was like, what happened to the fly swatter? It's broken. I was like, my bad, brother. It was the fly. The fly, you know how sometimes they can get like in a corner and you just, and it's like they're protected. So I hit that, I used that fly, the fly swatter, but I'm like, it would only take one fly for me. Not thousands or millions of flies anyway. So God calls them out and under his mighty hand and uh, does this wonderful, remarkable deliverance that is supernatural that they remember that we still celebrate to, to this day. And then as he's got them in the wilderness, God begins to give them instruction as to how they're going to handle his presence. God begins to talk to Moses, and he gives Moses very specific instructions as to what is going to be assembled. And in this case, we get to the point, I'm fast-forwarding, I can't give you 1,500 years, not literally, more like 600 years of, of history here, but I, I, we, we fast-forward to where they are construct this Ark of the Covenant. It's basically wood wrapped in gold. It's, it's the God box. It's really the best way to say it. It's the God box, uh, just like the flesh that uh, the Lord put on himself, the God man. That's another story for another time. But you have this box of wood layered in gold, and, and it would have rings on uh, each corner. And they'd have these long, uh, here's King James, King James English for you, the staves. Staves. I'll call them sticks, praise God. Uh, they had these long sticks, uh, and they would put the stave or the stick on their shoulder and that's how they would transport the very presence of God and whenever the people of God were going into battle or when they were ever uh, being told to relocate uh, they would always have the presence of God go out before them first and man when the presence of God would go out before them it emboldened them they felt Godfidence, not confidence, but Godfidence. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When you know the presence of God is with you, 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 you feel different. You handle things differently. The way you interact is different. You have a different expectation because you know God has gone before you. You're not nervous. You're not backed up into a corner. You know the God who called you is the God who's going to bring you through. You know the God that brought you through is the God that's going to keep you. You know the God that's going to keep you is the God who's going to provide. He can do anything but fail. And when you know the presence of God is with you, when you know the presence of God is there, you, you've got a different confidence. And this is what the people of God were accustomed to. They were accustomed to having the presence of God and interacting with the presence of God. Well, what happens is you begin to study some things happen here uh, because the Philistines come in and basically they are at war with Israel. And Israel has taken an L in this case and they have lost the, the physical representation of the presence of God. And so now the, the presence of God, the, the Ark of the Covenant, if you will, is in a, is in a different place. It's in a different place. And, 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 and the people of God don't have the leadership that they were accustomed to having. I know I preached about Eli and Samuel uh, last week. If you remember, we talked about Eli. Eli, uh, Eli just, his eyes grew dim. He, he was blind and his boars were wilding out. Well, the truth of the matter is while God kept Samuel... Do you know the same thing was repeated in Samuel's boys? They too 
wilding out, doing the most, profaning the things of God. And so Samuel, who once was bright and vibrant and leading the people of God and helping them navigate and transition from judges to kings and watch the rise and fall of Saul and now seeing this meteoric rise of David, he is kind of fading into the background and David has got a decision to go make. David's like, we got to go get back the presence of God. So David is on this journey to get the presence of God. I, I just want to push pause here for a moment and just say, no matter what we do, we need the presence of God. We need the presence of God. I'm not talking about the heebie-jeebies or goosebumps. I'm talking about a demonstration of the manifested presence of God. I want this place to be filled with his glory. I want this place to be filled with his splendor. I don't want to just usher in his presence. I want to be a lover of his presence. I want to be somebody who seeks after his presence. I want the Lord to know. I want him to show up here in this place. If you feel that way, give him praise we didn't come just to entertain ourselves we came to entertain the king of kings and the lord of lords we came to bless him we came to lift him up we came to let him know you're the reason we've come you're the reason we've come to magnify you you're the reason we've come to lift our hands you're the reason we've come with a song on our lips you're the reason we're here Come on, if you love his presence, give him praise. If you want his presence, magnify him. Praise God. We have to want his presence. And they had their presence with him. But things have changed. The, Fizra, uh, the Israelites, the Philistines. That's what happens when you're trying to get it all out. And I'm looking at the Israelites. That's the first Praise God, if Israelites. Thank you, Jesus. So the, Israel, the Philistines come in and they take the Ark of the Covenant from Israel, the tangible expression of God's presence. So check this out. Let me show you in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1. Now I'm going to show you something that I think is important. God is, let me give you a few characteristics of his nature. Okay? Uh, God is love. Right? Praise God. God is holy. In other words, when I say God is holy, he is set apart. There's nothing or no one like him. He is different in that regard. That's why my wife and I, when we, no surprise, I was rushing out the house today, and I... First of all, I like to moisturize, but I don't like to moisturize with my wedding band on. Praise God. Thank you. So I always take it off. And then I got caught up and had to make some, I'm flying out early in the morning, and I got a notification right before we're leaving, like, oh, your flight has been canceled. And I was like, oh, I've got really, like, super important meetings <laughs> that I've got to be at tomorrow. We've got to make this happen. So anyway, I ran out the house with my wedding ring. But Sarah and I, we are in holy matrimony. We are set apart. I ain't saying anybody else wants me, praise God. But I mean, did you have to laugh like that? 
I mean, goodness gracious. You, you handle that. You handle that. That's supposed to be your girl. Okay. Let me find another example. This book, this book is known as the Holy Bible, right? It's a collection of books, but if you look it up, it stands for, it means the book. This book is not like any other book. It's set apart, okay? And so God is holy. God is love. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing, okay? There isn't anything that he doesn't know. He is the creator of it all. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He has all power in heaven and on earth. Jesus looked at him and said, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. He holds it. He was like, Job, what are you doing? You cannot even hold these things in the palms of your hand. David said, who am I that you are mindful of me? God is all powerful. God is eternal. He is not bound by time. This is why he can be in our past, present, and future, reconciling us unto himself. God is not bound by time like we are. And then God is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere. God is everywhere. But just because he's everywhere doesn't mean his presence can be celebrated everywhere. Some of y'all are like, what? Yeah, just because he's everywhere doesn't mean that his presence can be celebrated any place. I'm about to bust some of y'all's theological bubbles. Watch. Look at 1 Samuel 5. After the Philistines captured the ark of God, they took it from the battleground at Ebenezer to the town of Ashdod. So now what they did is they took the ark of the covenant, God's tangible presence in the earth among his people, and they brought it to Ashdod where they lived. Verse 2, they carried the ark of God into the temple of Dagon and placed it beside an idol of Dagon. But when the citizens of Ashdod went to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him in his place again. I mean, it's kind of like two inanimate objects. You have Dagon, whatever he looked like something fashioned by the hand of man. And then you have the Ark of the Covenant, this God box. They leave it in the temple of Dagon, and they go about their business. They come back, I'm like, oh. I mean, it's, it's this big statue is fallen with its face on the ground. How did that happen? Was it the wind? Did we have an earthquake? What happened? So, they're like, okay, let's pick it back up, put it in its place. Watch what happens. Okay? Check this out. But the next morning, the same thing happened. Dagon had fallen face down before the ark of the Lord again. This time, though, his head and hands were broken off and were lying in the doorway. Dagon was trying to get up out that piece. He was trying. It was too late. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. That is why to this day, neither priest of Dagon nor anyone who enters the temple of Dagon in Ashdod will step on its threshold. Then the Lord's heavy hand 
struck the people of Ashdod and the nearby villages with a plague of tumors. When the people realized what was happening, they cried out, we can't keep the ark of God of Israel here any longer. He's against us. We will all be destroyed along with Dagon, our God. See, God's presence is everywhere. But his presence can't be celebrated anywhere. They couldn't enjoy it. They couldn't enjoy it. Look at verse 8. So they called together the rulers of the Philistine towns and asked, what should we do with the ark of God of Israel? The rulers disgusted and replied, I got an idea. Move it, move it to the town of Gath. So, you know what? They moved the, the ark of God of Israel to Gath. But when the ark arrived at Gath, the Lord's heavy hand fell on its men, young and old. He struck them with a the plague of tumors, and there was great panic. So they sent the ark of God to the town of Ekron. You see what's happening here? <laughs> They're like, uh, let's get it up out of here. We don't, we, don't, we don't want it here. Let's send it to Ekron. But when the people of Ekron saw it coming, like my lineage is probably from Ekron. I'm being funny. They hadn't even got, when the people of Ekron saw it coming, they hadn't even got, hadn't even got there yet. They saw it coming. They cried out, they're bringing the ark of God of Israel here to kill us. That would have been me, like, no! Keep it yourself. The people summoned the Philistine rulers again and begged them, please send the ark of God of Israel back to its own country or it will kill us all. For the deadly plague from God had already begun and great fear was sweeping across the town. Those who didn't die were affected, afflicted with tumors and the cry from the town rose to heaven. So let me just fill in a few missing pieces here. What they did is they went to some wise people People told them, hey, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. What kind of plagues broke out in the land? We got some, we got some tumors. We got, we, got, we got rodents. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to make some gold tumors. I don't know how you make gold tumors, but they decided to make gold tumors, and they made some gold rats. They thought this will appease uh, God, and they said, let's also get some cows, cows that have never been yoked up together. Let's, let's yoke them up and let's get these cows together. Let's put the Ark of the Covenant, the God box, on a cart, okay? And let's just see where the cows take it. Whatever they do, though, we just know that they got to get up out of here. And so they get them together, and do you know what happened? The cows started moving. Not mooing, moving. And the cows moved straight out of Philistine territory right back into Israeli territory. And the Philistines are watching this happen. Why? Yes, because God is omnipresent, but his presence can't be enjoyed just anywhere. Some of us think that we can justify going certain places for evangelistic purposes. I'm going to share the love of God. At the club. Some of you are like, well, that's what Jesus would do, right? He would go right to the club. Jesus would turn up, right? No, no, no. See, context is everything. You can't enjoy his presence anywhere. 
Watch this. Here's the difference. See, when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' home, he changed the atmosphere. As a matter of fact, he changed it so much that salvation came to that household. My question to you is, when you turning up or you going somewhere to let the love of God flow through you and you're going to let that light, I'm going to let it shine. Are you changing the atmosphere? Or is the atmosphere changing you? Let me just say this too. Whatever is in you is what you'll put into the atmosphere. Praise God. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I, I, I know some folks, you know, some folks just so holy. They're too holy for their own good. Uh, we, 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 we'll, we'll be at like places, large gatherings, Christian gatherings, and you ever been in those places or spaces where like uh, you could take over like a restaurant, like the whole church, like just imagine us, uh, I don't know, like just imagine us, we all went to Scatterbush. Like we just come in and like Scatterbush people are like, oh my God. What is happening here? Are 200 people just showing up to eat at Scatterbush with no heads up? They're like, it's like a sign of war. Like, do you come in peace? Yes, we just, we just, we just want to eat. So we show up, and you know those holy people, they be like, oh, well. Uh, they be like, hey, uh, the, the seating that we have right now available is, is in the lounge area, the bar area. And you know those holy people, they be like, I'm not sitting in the lounge. And I'd be like, uh, well, it's 200 of us. I think we might be the only ones there. Ain't nobody turning up except for Jesus. Why? Because if we show up, guess what we're going to do? Change the atmosphere. You have to ask yourself and realize, hey, you know what? Don't you put yourself in a space and a place where you're not able to influence the atmosphere. You want to allow the Spirit of God to flow through you. You want there to be a manifestation of the Spirit of God. You want there to be healing, signs, miracles, and wonders. And God can do every single bit of that and then some. But you and I have to be in a conduit and make sure that we are tapped into the presence of God. You just can't go wild out and then talk about some, oh God, where are you? No, no, no. You can't celebrate His presence anywhere. You got to make sure. Now, let me just say this. Here's what's crazy. It's not just about the location because the location doesn't matter it's never about the location as a matter of fact where we are right now there's nothing special about this place in and of itself it's a room but what I'm telling you it's now a holy space because he's here so one we have to realize we just can't celebrate his presence anywhere in any way we want to the second thing I want you to understand is you got to make room for the Lord in your heart and in your home. So check this out. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 6. So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David because he was angry, right? Instead, he took it to the house of Obadidim of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obadidim's house for how long? Three months. Everybody say 90 days. And the Lord blessed Obadidim and his entire household. Now, this is what's crazy. It's like Obadidim, it's like us winning the lottery. I ain't telling anybody to play the lottery. I did not tell you to play the lottery, okay? But Obadidim was not looking for the Ark of the Covenant. 
He wasn't praying that it came to his house. He wasn't fasting that it came to his house. It just so happened that something tragic happened because they were not stewarding God's presence the way that the Lord required them to steward it. That's a whole other sermon for another time. And so what happened was this. There was this dude named Obadiah who lived right there, and they were like, hey, I'm angry. Dave was like, I'm angry. Put it in his house. And they moved the ark of the Lord, the ark of the covenant, into Obadiah's house. And here's what's amazing. The next 90 days, Obadiah is experiencing blessing after blessing after blessing. His children are being blessed. Crazy things are happening, and they're fruitful. And you know what? Obadiah, I don't care who it is. Obadiah was not second in command to David. He was not a Levitical priest. He was a random guy who said, the presence of God will be welcome in my house. I'm telling you, it makes a difference when you say, God, you're welcome in my house. You're welcome on my job. You're welcome in my room. You're welcome in my car. You're welcome in my life and in my heart. You're welcome in my thoughts. You're welcome in my entertainment. I'm not withholding anything from you. God, you are welcome. We used to sing that old song. Oh, I'm talking about Jesus. You are welcome here. You're welcome in this place to do whatever you want to do. You are our special guest. Can you imagine Obadiah being blessed like this, favor like this, power like this, purpose, multiplication, and then he sees David and his crew coming back? And he's probably like, hey, hey, I think they're coming to get the Ark of the Covenant. He's probably like, Rub it, touch it, do something. We need some more blessings. Can you imagine? I mean, it's like they're coming to repo the Ark of the Covenant. And David is like, he gets it out of his house. Look at verse 17 in chapter 6, 2 Samuel 6, excuse me, 2 Samuel 6, 17. Look at this. They brought the Ark of the Lord, set it in its place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. All right, now, a tent? I know it was a special tent. I don't know what that meant. Because how special can a tent really be? I've been in them before. They used to have a tabernacle with an outer court, an inner court, and the Holy of Holies. And went from being an Ashdod's temple where Dagon was worshipped to Obadiah's house. And now they're happy it's in a tent? What makes the tent special? Nothing. What makes the tent special, if you will, is really the presence of the Lord. David made room for the presence of God. And when we make room for the presence of God, the Lord says, I can dwell there. If you'll make room in your schedule to be with God, guess what? I've got good news. He'll come be with you. I've got even better news. Because you know how people do. See, you know, like if... If, now, Joanne wouldn't do me like this because, I mean, she just knows I'm so persistent. Praise God. I would not give up. I would just show up. But if, if Joanne was like, I don't want to fool with him. He just always coming to want me to cook and want the garlic shots. And uh, just, I ain't got time for all that. Praise God. Just leave me be. You know what? There might be some, some issue with us or some animosity between us, some tension. But it's amazing. You know what? We can treat God that same way. 
Okay? Y'all won't keep it real. We can treat God the same way, but here's what's crazy. He won't act brand new. He'll come see about you. Praise him and watch what happens. You, you might not have prayed all week. You might not have had a chance to open up your Bible, but if you will begin to lift up your hands and open up your mouth and begin to give God praise, God will come see about you. God will come visit you. God will come spend time with you. God will come dwell in your presence. As a matter of fact, he won't be in any rush to leave. He won't withhold from you. He's so eager to love us. He's so kind to endure us. He's so long-suffering with us. He's so merciful and gracious to us. He'll come see about us. He's so humble. He'll humble himself. When you call his name, he'll come show up. Woo, I'm telling you, God is a God who inhabits the praises of his people. We should be glad to praise him. We should be glad to lift him up. We should be excited to open up our mouth and give him praise and worship. There's no God like the God that you and I serve. He's been merciful to me. He's been kind to me. He's been loving to me. And I've got to give him praise. If you feel that way, give him praise for a moment. If you feel that way, lift your hands to him and worship him. If you want the presence of God, open up your mouth and say so. Come on and give him glory in this place. Come on and give him worship. Come on and give him thanks. I want to be in his presence. It doesn't matter where you are. I remember... When I first came to know the Lord, I didn't grow up in church. I had no cooth. I had to warn because I didn't grow up in this. And I remember we, the Lord transitioned us to uh, a more established church where people had doctorates. And they were legit theologians. And, you know, they had MDivs, uh, Masters of Divinity. And I'd grown up in this. And, you know, Sarah at least grew up in it. So I remember they were talking to me, and we were like, hey, you know, we're going to have a prayer meeting. And uh, they were like, when we, you know, we're going to pray. Sarah was like, well, I, I just want to let you know, when Akil begins to pray, he might be a little loud. I remember we were right in the gym. She was like, you know, you might hear him scream. I wasn't, I hadn't gotten dignified. Didn't have, I wasn't professional. You know, see, so you, you got some people, boy, that, you know, when you put us like, when the preachers, like, when, when they talk in normal, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, the Lord God. But when they start preaching, it's like, the Lord God. It's just like, you know, like, man, just chill. It, it's amazing. I, I don't have a preacher voice. But sometimes I wish I did. I wish I had a little hoop in me, praise God. But I, I don't. But you know what? I was like. Hey, she was like, yeah, he, he's going to pray. It was undignified. Uh, and I didn't know any different when I came to the Lord and I was at work. I wanted his presence. I remember taking lunch break. Instead of going to lunch, I would get in my car, my little Pontiac Sunfire. Man, that <laughs> boy on a roll. Little Pontiac Sunfire. You remember that thing, though? Five speed had the windows tinted, had a little subwoofer in the back. And we were, I had my buddy, my boy Paul Robinson. Now, you know, Paul Robinson, I had met him and he was a Christian and 
I was like, man, let's, you know, I'm going to go pray. I was so excited. I was telling him about what Jesus was doing in my life. And I was like, so we in the car, and I, we were playing some Fred Hammond, and we were blasting. We were driving down the highway and just worshiping the Lord, singing to the top of our lungs. I was gone. I, I, and I looked. I remember we were just driving down the highway, worshiping, hands up, stream, screaming and singing, and just, you know, I was just doing the most like I was Fred Hammond. You know, I was just... Just, you know, uh, Pages of Life. Y'all know nothing about that album. Praise God. If you don't know nothing about that, that was 1998. You need to just go back and bless yourself. Pages of Life. You are my song. That was the song I was singing. I'll never forget it. I was like, Lord, you're my symphony. You're my melody. You, I'm just singing this thing. And then, you know, I kind of just, I realized, oh, I should keep my eyes open. So I looked. And then as I opened my eyes, I looked to the left. This car was like right next to us, like, like, what are they doing? I was going in, you know what? But the glory of God had filled that car. I'm telling you, he'll, when he shows up, it's a holy gathering. When he shows up, that car itself was not holy, but when he showed up, it was holy at that point in time. God will show up wherever you are, lifting him up and magnifying him. I'm telling you, my same friend, I remember, I was like, Paul, I need a word from the Lord. And I was like, we're going to the park to go pray. So I said, if eating lunch, we went to the park to go pray. What was the name of that park, baby? Do you remember that? Oh. No, not in Innsbruck. It was uh, close to, it was off of uh, Hungary or uh, where the middle school is now. Anyway, anyway, doesn't make no difference. We were there. I had never, um, I had never had received like a word from the Lord from like somebody, right? So I was like, Lord, I need a word from you. And Paul is a big, Paul's like tall guy, kind of like Stephen, right? I mean, he could get places, but he wasn't going to get like, 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 you know, this dude was like way on the other side of the park. And I remember praying and just worshiping, screaming, doing what I'm doing, like I'm just going in. So I was screaming and hollering and just praying like God. And the Lord was like, okay, I hear you. Calm down. Calm down. I did learn you don't got to scream at the top of your lungs. You can just talk to the Lord. I just want to be clear. It took me a little while. I was like, oh, you don't have to scream? Praise God. I was like, I can sit? You know, I can, I can sit, Lord? Praise God. I can talk like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I, sometimes I don't have to even talk. I can just let my tears be the language. So, I said, the Lord said, why don't, you, why don't you just posture yourself to hear? So I knelt down, and he said, why don't you tell me to speak, and that you're my servant, and you're listening. And I said, Lord, I'm your servant. Speak to me. I'm listening. And I'm thinking about Eli and Samuel right in this moment. And seconds later, like three seconds later, fam, Paul will attest to this. That man was like translated right in front of me. And he was like, you've asked the Lord to speak to you. And begin to give me a word. Can I tell you, God will show up anywhere where he is praised and worshiped. All you got to do is make room for him. You got to make room for him. So, I want you to understand... You know, we got to make room. Somebody say make room. The third thing that we got to do, and the reason why I'm teaching and preaching this is because we're on a maturity mandate. I'm going to help you grow. I'm going to help you grow. Because let me tell you that right now, y'all are giving me the cutest...
professional golf claps of all time. But let me just give you warning. We are going to grow into people that are going to be biting the chunks out of the ceiling, fam. Not because the preaching is all that, but what I'm talking about is we're going to celebrate the presence of God. We are going to be people that celebrate the presence of God, and that's what I'm talking about next. We are going to celebrate His presence. God's presence should be celebrated. He is the one who is high and lifted up. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I want to know Him. I want to be in His presence, and I've come to glorify Him. I've come to lift Him up. I've come to magnify Him and shout praises unto His name. So watch this. You might be like, why do we got to celebrate? Stick with me. I'm going to give you a little bit as we grow. Look at this. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12. Then King David was told, the Lord blessed Obadiah's household and everything has be, has, uh, he has because of the ark of God. So David went there, brought the ark of God from the house of Obadiah to the city of David with a great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Can you imagine? I mean, these people had to be stunned because they had just gotten started. Six steps. And David pauses and is like, hold up. <laughs> he begins to dance. He begins to celebrate. I'm talking about like with all of his might. You ever seen somebody praise God with all of their might? I'm talking about like everything that they have. Ain't talking about You're so good, Jesus. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Some of us, we got this down pat. You're holy. I love you, Jesus. I ain't front on that. If that's, if that's where you are, that's where you are right now. But, I mean, it's David was dancing unto the Lord. I ain't talking about like those low maintenance dances like the electric slide. Y'all don't know nothing about that. I really am getting old. How can y'all not know the electric slide? Anyway. Like, the, you, you can do the electric slide for five hours and not break a sweat. Praise God. I remember we were having... My, we, were, we had Thanksgiving. Thompson Thanksgivings are like, oh God, help us. And we were there, and my, Mia was like, uh, my older sister, my older sister and I, we love to dance. And so I had never done this video game where, you know, you dance and you do whatever. So my sister was like, come on, come on, fam. And so I just, and we both 80s kids, so I just started dancing. And Mia's like, oh, I see you, Dad. It was like 20 years, you know. But anyway, we started doing the electric slide. I'm like, how can you forget the electric slide? Anyway, David wasn't doing the electric slide. David had on his linen ephod that sanctified attire. Where he's supposed to carry himself a certain way. Dignified. And David is like, no, 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 no. The Lord is here. So I'm going to act like it. 
God is here. And when his presence is here, that is something to celebrate. David, the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 6, 15, so David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. What am I telling you? I'm here to encourage extraordinary church. We will celebrate the presence of God. We will magnify his name and give him glory because we know he inhabits the praises of his people. And not only that, we know he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of the sacrifice of our praise. He's worthy of worship when I don't feel like it and when I do feel like it. He's worthy of praise when I have money in the bank, when I don't have money in the bank. He's worthy of my praise when I'm sick or when I'm well. He's worthy of my praise when you like me and when you don't. But he's worthy of my praise. So I'll come in clapping my hands. I'll come in singing unto God. I'll come to the front and lift him up. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done, I will magnify him. So you got to learn to encourage. I want to encourage you to celebrate his presence. And I know this might be difficult for some of you. Some of you might be like this. I'm here. Okay? If this is you, if this is where you at, next time maybe you need to put a little sway to it. Maybe a little I'm doing okay. So if if you're here and you're here, maybe you need to. And if you go here, if you go here, maybe you need to. And, and if you want to go like this, maybe if you want to go to the next level. If you really want to break through. Let me tell you what I did. I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. Alex, I had no game. I'm at my house, and the Lord is like, I want you to shout hallelujah. I've told some of y'all this story. Nobody was in the house. But first thing I did, I said, man, let me go see if somebody's here. I'm like, mom, dad. I'm mom, dad. Dad was not in the house. But I love you, sir. I was like, Mom, Khalid, Camila, y'all home? I knew number crickets. I come back, the Lord was just waiting on me. He was like, you know why you didn't do it? And I was like, uh, 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 he was like, pride. Flesh will get in the way every time. So you know what I did? One, I was like this. I was like, um, he was like, I want you to shout hallelujah. So I was like, hallelujah. I was just waiting. I, I was like, something going to happen. Like, it just not me. Nothing happened. Because this is what we like to do. We like to ease our way into things. But what you got to do is stop easing your way into it and just open up your mouth and shout. So I got tired of kind of just like, you know, easing my way in. And I shouted with everything that I did, everything that I had. I was like, hallelujah, screaming. And the next thing I know, the glory of God began to fill that room. 
the presence of God begin to fill that room. What am I telling you? The presence of God is to be celebrated. Now you might think, man, is that the kind of church extraordinary church is? Yes. We are a church that's going to celebrate the presence of God. You know what? There are a lot of celebratory churches that are out there today. NBA, NFL, NHL, because y'all looking at me like you don't know what the NBA is. The National Hockey League. It's crazy. They, they'll begin to celebrate and turn up. Let somebody score a goal. People in zero degree weather will be taking off shirts. Grown men with college educations, multiple degrees, professionals in the, take off. Yeah, screaming, taking beer. Because they scored a goal. They'll keep celebrating. Sometimes they celebrate too long. Like, we're losing, fam. And they're like, we're losing. Why is it that we have no problem? The only time y'all got excited in the NBA was when Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> but why is it we'll get excited? when Kawhi is in town and we can get a chip. But the God of the universe robed himself in flesh, died for you and I, rose again on the third day, living inside of you if you've received his spirit filled with it, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, washed you clean and forgave you of every sin, has provided for you. You've never even had to open up your mouth and mention what you need. He's protected you from harm. He's kept you from disaster. He's made a way when there was no way. When you told him, God, I'll never do it again, and you did it again, and he still restored you and kept you, and you want to give him a cute praise? The devil is a liar. I'll open up my mouth. I'll give God the glory. I'll worship him. I'll thank him. I'll celebrate him because he's worthy of my praise. Come on and give him glory. Come on and give him praise. Come on and give him worship. We've got to learn to celebrate his presence. When we, check this out. My wife, her father has now since passed. Papa passed. And Papa was not a man of many words. Matter of fact, Papa had me shook, y'all. I was like, man. I was like, I don't. You know how you get around to people, you're like, I don't really know how to read you. You're kind, but we ain't really had that connection. So I took Papa to a football game. We went to a football game at University of Virginia, right up the street from my man Alex. We were playing Georgia Tech, and we had season tickets at the time, and we go, and the game was over. I mean, we were down by, we were down by six, or we, we needed a touchdown, so we are down by more than three. We had one play left, and so 
people are leaving by the droves, and we're just standing. And dude, quarterback, Marquise Hagan, that was his name, Marquise throws it in the flat, like in the backfield to this guy. Anthony Pierman, I think was his name, number 20. Dude catches the ball. He's running down the sideline, and he's about to get hit by the Georgia Tech defender. And right before he gets hit, he throws a lateral to this wide receiver just running down the sideline. Dude catches down the sideline, it's just like this, and nobody touches him. Touchdown, University of Virginia wins the game, no time left. All right, my father-in-law doesn't say a word. Now, I get pretty excited. So I'm, I'm jumping, I'm screaming, I'm throwing stuff, I'm high-fiving people, and as I'm caught up in the euphoria, the next thing I know, my father-in-law and I, we're holding hands like two schoolgirls, like, <laughs> jumping up and down, you know, and I think, now, granted, he wasn't jumping that high, but Paul Paul was jumping. He was, and you know what we were doing? We were celebrating a victory. If I'm going to jump for UVA when they beat Georgia Tech, you better believe I'm going to celebrate and jump the one, jump for the one who defeated death, who defeated hell, who defeated the grave. He is the undisputed, undefeated. He's never met a rival. He's never met an enemy that can defeat him. As a matter of fact, he all he does is win. And because he won, he gave me the victory. So I'm going to give him praise. I'll dance, I'll jump, I'll shout, I'll twirl. You might not like it, but you don't know like I know what he's done for me. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him glory. Somebody worship him. Somebody bless him. Somebody celebrate him because he won for you. He won for you. He won for you. You all can stay standing. I got one more, then I'm done. God's presence, come on, so you can stand. God's presence, here's why we should celebrate it. Because we haven't forgotten what he's done for us. We haven't forgotten what he's done for us. See, see let me just encourage you to, if you'll praise him at home, you'll praise him here. Mom, dad, let me just encourage you. I ain't chastising you, but your kids shouldn't just see you praise God at church. My kid, I'm at the point now, they just know. I don't, I don't care where it, I know Sarah and I have been together 25 years, married 23. I walk by today, I have my beats on. I was in my, I was in the closet, fam. Hands lifted. Oh. Your love goes beyond all knowledge. That's that Pages of Life album. Y'all don't know about that. I'm just worshiping, tears streaming down my face, hand lifted. She didn't think anything of it. You know, she was in the bed like she wasn't here. She, she ain't lifted. She wasn't shocked. What am I trying to tell you? It should not be a surprise. And you'll have no problem praising him publicly when you praise him privately.
Lincoln knows there have been many times I come in my office. Hey, who come in my office? I got my beats on. I'm crying, sweating in my office. He's like, oh, not a good time. It should not be a surprise. We should celebrate his presence all the time. We have to normalize praise and worship in our home and at Extraordinary Church. And when you've had an experience with God, when you can remember what he's done in your life, it makes his presence and your interaction with his presence so different. Let's show the media team, let's show them 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 20, and I'm closing. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. You know, you know what's crazy? Lord, help me. I want you to, you know what's, what's so crazy is if you look at what David said and you check this out. He said, oh. He said, Michael, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Watch this, watch this. You know what David was saying? Michael, I remember when I was out in my father's backyard and they wouldn't even let me in the house. I remember when everybody showed up and the prophet showed up, they didn't even come get me. I, I saw up in the distance something that's going on, but I felt so isolated and ostracized that I couldn't even approach the house. And now look at what he's done in my life. I, I, I went from, in the 78th Psalm, I, he tells us, I went from leading sheep to now I'm leading his people. And you want me to sit quiet? He said, I went to go deliver bread and cheese to my brothers. Thought I was coming back. And the next thing I know, people are singing a song. David is slain his tens of thousands. And you want me to sit quiet? Oh God, I, does anybody remember what he pulled you out of? like my cow your father hated me tried to kill me put me on the run I was a fugitive for my own people and God miraculously brought me back to this place I had escaped from and he's given it to me as my house I went from a cave to a palace I don't have amnesia I will praise I will sing I will shout I will clap my hands I will lift my arms I will stop my feet Anybody besides Akil Thompson remember? Do you remember where you were? Do you remember what you've been through? Do you remember what he spared you from? I should be dead right now. But God, who is faithful, just and merciful, has given me grace to see another day. 
Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.